This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Today's sermon from our Holy Week ResFast service is by Deacon Val McIntyre and is part six of our Lent 2016 series. These two passages, the first from Hebrews and the second from the Gospel of John, give us a glimpse into the emotional life of Jesus. Uh, in the raising of, G- of Lazarus, Uh, Jesus is emotionally moved by the suffering of others. He follows his own teaching, doesn't he? He weeps with those who weeps. John seems to have a special take on the emotional life of Jesus. I think he makes probably more references to his feelings than the other gospel writers. Uh, If you're familiar at all with Christian art, the depictions of the Last Supper. John is always the one closest to Jesus. Sometimes you see him laying his head on Jesus' chest. You see this great intimacy between these two men. There's a way I think that John is tuned in to the emotional life of Jesus in a way that perhaps uh, didn't make the same kind of impression upon the other disciples. And so John has a lot to say to us about the emotional life of Jesus. And then in Hebrews, we get a little glimpse into the prayer life of Jesus, that his prayer life was characterized by emotion, that he offered up prayers and petitions with loud tears and cries. This is in like complete contrast to, for example, the Buddha. You know, anytime you see the Buddha, he's always so peaceful and composed. That is not Jesus. Jesus is fully alive emotionally. He weeps with those who weep. He rejoices with those who rejoice. He storms through the temple with rage and overturns the tables. Jesus is fully alive emotionally. This is a little hard for us to handle, I think because we're taught to mistrust our emotions. There's lots of different Um, reasons for that that we could go through in popular culture and history. Um, I think we're taught actually to be downright suspicious of our emotions. But apparently this was not the case for Jesus. He was not afraid of emotion. Um, As we come to this matter of prayer, and where do we find the energy for prayer? I want to propose to you that your emotions are your best friend when it comes to prayer. They are our soul's greatest source of energy, of dynamism, of power. So as we come to this time of prayer together tonight, I want to challenge you to make a decision to become emotionally present to God. God wants you to know how he feels about you, And he really cares how you feel about him. He wants to know what you're worried about, what you're concerned about. He wants to know about your hopes and your desires. This matters to him. This is part of having a relationship. We often speak of having a relationship with God, but sometimes what we're thinking in our mind is, once upon a time did I sign a contract with God? Did I sign the contract and agree with the, pre- with the presentation of the gospel that I am saved by grace through faith? Yes, I agree. I sign on the dotted line. 
I have a relationship with God. Ta-da! Actually, it's not quite exactly like that. That's a great place to start. It's a great moment in this journey of relationship. But a relationship really is a relationship. It has to do with communication. It has to do with one person being emotionally present to the other. Tonight, I want to give you just a little bit of a picture of some hope that God wants to be emotionally present to you. But more importantly, he wants you to be emotionally present to him so that you can find out what is on his heart. What is he concerned about? What is he burdened by? Uh, This is how we come into that. I don't know if you remember that little phrase, you know, to have God's heart. You know, break my heart with the things that break God's heart. Um, Well, what does that mean? It actually means something very concrete and very emotional. So let me do two things. I want to look um, briefly at Jesus' prayer life and then uh, to say something about how it is that God communicates his emotions to us and what this has to do with prayer. Um, First of all, Jesus had a relational connection with the Father. There are two statements in John to speak to this, first in John 5, 19. Jesus said, the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Notice it's the Father loves the Son and shows him. Um, Sometimes I think we get the idea that when we receive a word from the Lord or we think of, you know, how did Jesus receive those words from the Father, that it was kind of like a text or an email. Um, Just the information. Just give me the facts. What do you want me to pray about? There's not a whole lot of relationality in those kinds of messages. But Jesus knew that he was loved by the Father. And out of that place of love and connection, he knew what the Father was doing. He could see it. He could feel it. And from John 8, 29, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. That wasn't a matter of him simply like going through a list of rules and saying, oh, I got to make sure I keep myself in alignment with the rules of God. I got to fulfill all the commandments. He felt God's pleasure in him. And out of that place of feeling God's pleasure for him, he knew what the Father wanted to do. Jesus will say, I don't do anything of my own accord. I only do what I see the Father doing. How did he see? He saw with his, his imagination. He heard the words of Scripture, but he felt the Father's heart. It came out of relationship with him. Uh, Jesus experienced the love of the Father. And it's from this place of emotional, relational connection to the Father that Jesus knew what was important to the Father. Uh, and in the same way, when we come to prayer, we know what's important to God when we are relationally and emotionally connected to him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The second thing I want to note is that Jesus brought his emotions with him into prayer. This little scene with the raising of Lazarus is really emotional. It is charged with emotion. There's crying. There's shouting. There's arguing. There's, it's, it's, It's charged. This is not a quiet moment in the life of Jesus. This is a very dynamic moment, and and emotions are running high everywhere. Um, And in Hebrews, 
The writer is very clear. Jesus offered up his prayers with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Um, I think we do sometimes think of reverence as sort of a cross your, you know, hold your hands, a nice reverent position, be calm, be still, um, be respectful. Apparently that was not part of the reverence that Jesus had for the Father. He could come with all his emotions, with loud cries and tears, and still be in this place of reverence towards God. If this is how Jesus prayed, um, how is it then that Jesus speaks to us? If he's the great high priest, how is it that he can like gather us around the throne with him and say, let's pray together. Um, let me tell you what's on your heart, on my heart. Enter into my prayers with me. How is this that Jesus the high priest lets us know what he'd like us to pray about. And that's really what we're here to do tonight. Um, yes, we have lists of things that we might, you know, we're like, you know, the weather, that would be good. Thank you very much. Um, various practical things, right? But ultimately we come not with our lists, although he hears everything. He doesn't mind the lists at all. He's never put off by our lists. Um, he really wants to put it on our hearts. This is what matters to me this Holy Week. This is what matters to, for, to me, for you personally, for our church, for our community. Let me put those things on your heart. Uh, I think most of us are familiar, because we hear this a lot at Church of the Resurrection, that God speaks to us through Scripture. And He can pull out that specific verse of Scripture, a phrase from Scripture that He wants us to receive and to uh, take into our hearts and to pray into and out of. He can send words and pictures into our imaginations. I think most of us, even if you haven't experienced it, you've probably heard about it at Church of the Resurrection. Um, but tonight I want to focus just a little bit on this matter of how the Lord communicates his feelings to us. Because there is so much energy, there is so much dynamism, if we can receive his, his feelings, his heart towards us. Um, in any relationship... Emotions are contagious. If I started crying right now, I almost guarantee you, some of you would start crying too. Because it's contagious. Um, if I managed to, I don't have any jokes up my sleeve, but if I did, and a few of you started laughing, everyone would laugh because emotions are contagious. And anger is contagious. Um, Note the political scene in America right now. Um, because emotions are contagious, if we are really in relationship with Jesus, we catch his emotions. If it's really a relationship, we actually will be impacted by his emotions if we allow ourselves to be. And he will be impacted by our emotions. He weeps with us. He rejoices with us. He feels our emotions. We feel his. And this is the invitation, if we want to grow in prayer, is to grow in this relationship with God where there can be a communication of feelings. Um, 
Jesus is emotional, God is emotional. Um, even before the incarnation, every imaginable human emotion is used in descriptive of God at some point. Um, it's part of being made in the image of God that we have this very wide range of emotions. And all the more now that Jesus has become flesh, that Jesus is still fully human and fully God, when we come before that throne of grace to pray, we are meeting not just a um, cosmic strategist or some kind of dispassionate uh, bureaucrat. We meet a human being, a human face, when we come before the, the throne of God and he can communicate his heart to us. We meet that same Jesus that wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. We meet that same Jesus who was moved by the grief of Mary and Martha and even by the crowd that seemed to have just sort of gotten caught up in the frenzy. He was moved even for them. It's very interesting in this story with the raising of Lazarus to me that Jesus did not put his emotions aside in order to concentrate on prayer. Um, (laughs) I don't know about you, but, um, you know, we have these kind of ideas about like how prayer is supposed to be. And, you know, getting, and I mean, I teach people to be quiet, to center themselves, uh, to settle their bodies in prayer, whatever. Um, And it's really important. But it's not necessary, that's actually just a focusing of the, emo- of, of the emotions. It's not a setting aside of the emotions. So when Jesus comes into this situation, he doesn't ask the crowd to be quiet. He doesn't say, please, give me a moment. I need to concentrate. Instead, he cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He brings his emotions with him into his prayer. And we're invited to do the same, to bring our emotions with us into our prayer, to let them energize how we pray and what we pray about. Okay, practically, uh, what does this mean? First of all, let me put your mind at ease. This is not about whipping ourselves up into a frenzy of emotion. Um, I had some friends in college um, that had this Friday night prayer group that involved a lot of food and a lot of time. It took about four hours. And um, it was really emotional. It was really loud. Me and my other roommates, we would go someplace else that night. Um, They they all shared a common, um, uh, I I don't need to give you the details, but they shared this common understanding of prayer as like, the crazier the better, the more frenzied the better. And um, it did get out of hand. Uh, one, one night I came home to find out that the, we had this rabbit named Bunky. And um, poor Bunky, he got in the way of the frenzy. And the poor little thing, uh, they thought he was dead. Um, but of course, since they were so enthusiastic, they prayed for the resurrection of the bunny. And um, I'm not kidding you. This, this really happened. But, the, you know, this was, this was, and I know the Lord heard that. You know, the Lord was not offended at all that the emotions got a little bit out of hand. But I just want to be really clear to you that I'm not saying, okay, people, 
Let's whip it up, you know. Let's turn up the volume here. Let's mean our prayers more. This is not about whipping ourselves up into a frenzy. It's about drawing near to the heart of Jesus. To share our hearts with him. To let him share his heart with us. Our confidence to pray is not about being intellectually convinced that God can answer our prayers. It's about being emotionally convinced that he cares. When you become emotionally convinced that God cares about your concerns, you will pray with faith and with confidence. I had an interesting experience of this. It's been a couple of years ago. Um, it was it was an unusual time that I had a lot of relationships with Christians who were not of my tribe. They were not Anglicans. They were not evangelicals. They were kind of middle-of-the-road Roman Catholics, like most of our neighbors around here. Did you know that most of DuPage County is Roman Catholic? We don't know that because we live in our little enclave. So statistically, we don't realize that. Um, and it's hard, actually, to get on a, like, heart-to-heart, faith-to-faith, pray-together kind of a relationship with Catholics. But I had, I had this opportunity, and um, I found myself just growing in love for them. And around Lent that year, um, I had a couple of days when I just felt so heavy of heart. It was just so sad to me that this uh, experience of unity uh, between Christians was just so rare. It was just kind of bothering me, kind of weighting me down. And anytime I got quiet, I was like, oh, I, I could just cry. And I don't, I'm not sure exactly what all this is about. I wasn't sure what to do with it, but I, was, I, I knew that somehow I needed to press through, that somehow God was communicating his heart to me. Um, so I found a few hours alone in my study. I prayed in the Spirit. And then all of a sudden came a flood of tears, the gift of tears. Cries, loud cries and tears. It was the heart of Jesus. I was feeling his, his heart for the unity of the church, for the healing of relationships in the church. Um, I can't tell you that there was like an immediate positive outcome or result from my prayer. I don't know what the Lord does with those prayers. When we join our hearts to his in intercessory prayer, I don't know what he does. But it is, um, it's a mystery. It's a privilege. It's an aspect of our priesthood as all believers to share in the heart the groanings of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit of the Father for us and for the church. These are really concrete sorts of experiences of God communicating his heart to us and us then praying out and through that and with the Lord. Practically speaking, it means we do have to practice. We have to practice communicating on an emotional level. If you have ever been in some kind of conflict resolution thing or marriage therapy or trying to work something out with your friends, um, you realize that relationships are a learning process, and our relationship with God is a, is a learning process. The emotional component of our relationship with God is a learning process. 
we need to have those kinds of conversations with God where we finally say, you know, I am really angry and confused. He will not say, I don't want to hear it. He'll say, can you tell me more about that? He listens. We need that experience of God saying something to us like we say to our friends when we finally express our feelings. Thank you for letting me know how you feel. I had no idea. We need those kinds of heart-to-heart conversations with the Lord, and we can do that in private. So my suggestion uh, to you, first of all, is just to start praying with your emotions rather than checking them at the door. Um, And not only can we practice at home, but we can practice when we're in situations like this when we're praying together. Uh, One of the things I love about listening to God together is that often he lets one of us or a few of us know about something that's on his heart. And they share that with us and we receive it. And we get to enter in and to, and to benefit from, his, uh, from other people's uh, emotional connection uh, with the Lord. So as we move into prayer tonight, pay attention to your emotions when you pray. It might be that your feelings are an echo of God's feelings. That's amazing. You know, each of us is this incarnational echo of the love of God. And your feelings can echo the heart of God. And when, they, when that happens, we pray with confidence because we know that God cares. We can, of course, pray dispassionately and God will always hear. <laughs> he doesn't mind the lists. But there is a way that if we're shut down emotionally, I think our prayers are, are also muted. So if you know that is the case for you, uh, you can ask Jesus to awaken you. He can, you can ask him to awaken that emotional dimension of your life. Um, I say this from experience. I don't know about you. Any of you Star Trek fans out there? Mr. Spock was my greatest, he was my favorite growing up. I just like Mr. Spock. Mr. Spock doesn't get upset about anything. Mr. Spock is cool at all times. Of course, later in the movies, we find out actually Vulcans have a lot of emotions. They just kind of keep a lid on it. But the old version of the story did not include that. Spock just didn't have emotions. And um, I liked Spock. I thought Spock's life was safe and predictable. But it also meant that there was an aspect of my relationship with God that was stunted because I didn't actually have access to all of that power, all of that dynamism of emotion. And so he can awaken your emotions. Uh, Don't be afraid. He does this proportionally. For example, I can say that I have the gift of tears. However, when I experience the gift of tears, it's like five tears from each eye. And I'm like, oh, I'm so deeply moved, but I don't need a Kleenex. My hand will do, you know. Uh, But from nothing to five out of each eye, Huge, huge, okay? So he does heal our emotions uh, proportionately. He, he might even uh, mellow you out a little bit if he heals your emotions. Um, he just wants you to be made in fashion in the likeness of them and, and the likeness of Jesus, to have the full access to all that energy from your emotions. 
And I, I would encourage you um, to pray for the gift of tears. I actually think Church of the Resurrection has a charism of tears. I mean, it's almost universal. I first came to this church, and for months, all I did was cry. That's a sign of the Holy Spirit. Um, those medievalists and the sort of more contemplative, mystical uh, writers, both in the East and the West, talk about this gift of tears. It is mysterious. But it's something very practically that you can ask for. Lord, give me the gift of tears. Whatever you're crying about, I want to cry about it. Lord, I want to weep with you. I want to rejoice with you. Uh, my brothers, my sisters, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weakness. Let us draw with confidence near to the throne of grace. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.